you have heard, I'm sure, that content is king. And of course, it's important to have good content that provides value to your listeners and to your business. But it's also important to have good sounding audio. Podcasting has been around for nearly two decades now, and the expectation of pleasant, easy to listen to audio quality is well established. You don't need to be perfect, but your sound should absolutely be as good as you can make it with your available technology and recording environment. And you really shouldn't ever sound like you're recording from the bottom of a well. A very loyal audience might listen to whatever you put out, no matter how rough it is, but they won't likely tell their friends about it. And similarly, if a guest on your show would be embarrassed to share the finished product with their own audience and community, they're certainly not going to. Ideally, your audio is going to sound good enough that no one outside of the true audiophiles is going to notice it at all. And it's kind of brutal, but it's true. And it takes a bit more effort than you might imagine, but you can do it. And we're going to be talking about exactly how you can on today's episode of the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. So there are two main factors in optimizing your audio quality, the tools you use to capture it and the room you're capturing it in. We'll start with the tools. Your mic is going to make the biggest impact on your sound, and you should invest in the best one that is feasible for you. But how you use your mic is always going to trump the number of dollars that you spend on it. So some really solid brands are Shure, Blue, Audio-Technica, and Rode. I used to record on a Blue Yeti, but have upgraded to a Shure, and I'm very pleased with the quality. So a few things about mics as you're about to go shopping. All of the brands I've listed have a bunch of different models and varieties, but two kind of main categories, USB and XLR versions of their mics. So XLR is, without getting too technical about it, a different input-output system that's designed specifically for audio that connects it to your computer. And if you choose an XLR mic, you're going to have a little bit higher quality, but you're going to need to buy a converter to connect it to your computer so that you can send the files where they need to go. USB mics, on the other hand, connect directly to your computer via a USB cable, which I'm sure you're familiar with. The audio quality is going to be a tiny bit lower, but not really noticeably, and it's not a difference that I would worry about. So if the thought of finding and using a converter gives you the screaming memes, just go for a USB and don't worry about it. Also, when you're looking at mics, all other things being equal, choose a dynamic mic and not a condenser mic, unless you're going to be recording in a dedicated and you know, professionally made studio. Dynamic mics are better at picking up your voice and not your neighbor's leaf blower or children playing, although there really is only so much that you can do with leaf blowers and screaming children. Basically, dynamic mics are better in less than ideal environments. They're going to pick up more of your voice and less of the other stuff. And condensers are better in a studio where the only real sound is your voice and they're going to capture every single nuance of that audio. So choosing a mic really is going to be about, you know, finding the best mix of budget and ease of use and quality for your voice. Different mics are better for different types of voices. And if you have the opportunity to try out a couple and listen to how they sound, that's great. But if not, you can ask for a recommendation or go with one of the kind of tried and tested brands. You're probably going to be just fine. But whatever mic you are using, the model or make that you choose isn't as important as how you use it. So when you get a new mic, or if you've never done this for a mic that you currently have, the very first thing you should do is head over to YouTube and type in how to use your mic's name. Enter the brand name and model specifically, and I can almost guarantee you that you are going to find multiple videos from delightful gearheads who are technology enthusiasts and experts explaining exactly how to configure the settings and get the best sound out of your new mic. They can explain where all the dials should be set, what the input levels should be, how to connect it to your computer if need be, and how it should be positioned in relation to your mouth. 
So I'm not going to get into any more specifics about that because the recommendations for each mic can be different. And those experts on YouTube are really, truly down to their bones, passionate about it, and are going to have the best advice for your situation. The company that you buy your mic from is also probably going to be more than willing to give you a little insight on how to set it up. So reach out to the customer service department or look for the YouTube channel of that company specifically. Now, let's have a quick note here about headphones, because it is absolutely critical to use headphones while you're recording audio. You don't want to be picking up any sounds in that wonderful new mic from the speakers in your computer or in the room that you're recording. The noise that happens when your mic picks up sounds from speakers is bad. It's very bad. It's not pleasant. So for recording purposes, it doesn't really matter what kind of headphones you use. They can be the big fancy over-the-ears ones, or they can be the earbuds that you, you know use with your phone to listen to music. As long as the sound coming out of your computer is going directly into your ears and not into your recording room, you're golden. So there are professional podcasting headphones out there, but for most company shows, if you're the host and you're just recording the content and not doing the audio editing yourself, I think the professional ones are probably overkill. You don't need to hear every single nuance of every note of audio unless you are actually working with the audio. So don't worry about it too much. Just make sure that you are protecting your mic from the speakers. So the headphones that I'm using while I'm recording are actually part of kind of a standard headset with a mic and speaker included. And I don't use the mic that is attached to my headset, even though I still use the headphones from them. You can, in a pinch, use a Logitech headset like that. It's going to be better than using native computer audio, which you should never, ever, ever, ever use to record. But you know, it's better than nothing. And if you don't have a standing mic, or if you're somehow currently away from your standing mic, you can use a headset and it's going to be better than nothing would be the, the option, although not as good as your mic is going to sound. So I put together a little demonstration of raw audio that I captured using the native computer mic, which you never want to do, and you'll hear why, my headset that I use for conversations, and then my actual kind of good quality Shure mic that I record these episodes and I now use for, for my regular video calls. So give that a listen, and I think you'll be able to hear really clearly the differences in audio quality that you're able to capture based on the tool that you're using to capture it. This is me recording straight into the computer. And this is me recording into a headset mic. And this is a recording using a good quality at-home studio microphone. So you can really hear that difference. The computer native audio was almost inaudible. The headset mic sounded really rough, pretty echoey, and was super loud. And then the Shure mic sounded a lot more clear and natural. And of course, sometimes things change a little bit in production. Sometimes what sounds really one way in RAW is going to be altered a little bit when you get to the finished version to make sure that the sound is going to play well in all environments and not just perfect, nice, quiet studios where you're listening. But you know, you want to make sure that your RAW audio is going to be as good and as clear as possible so that your production team or you know the member of your team that you have producing the audio has as much to work with as possible. So to that end, let's talk about the software that you're going to use to record your episodes. So first off, when you are recording solo, and that can be for whole solo episodes, or it can be for your intros or outros or segments or anything that you would be recording by yourself. And for those, you can use and probably should use a tool like Audacity or GarageBand. These are purpose-built for audio, they're free, and you know, they get really, really good quality sound. So they're designed to capture this kind of sound from microphone inputs. And after getting used to the basic settings, they're pretty easy to use. There's often a lot of stuff going on on the screen, especially in Audacity. 
But once you kind of get a sense of, okay, here's the record, here's where I check where my mic is, and here's where I see my levels, here's how I save, you're pretty much good to go. And the most important thing is to make sure that you have the right mic selected and that your levels stay within the green or get a little bit into the yellow, but not far that. Any recording software is going to have levels. And it is a little bar graph that goes from green to yellow to red. You want that to be mostly green. Otherwise, it's going to be a little too high. When you're getting into the high yellows and the reds, what you're doing is you're burning your audio, and it's going to be really hard to edit and make it sound good and natural on the other end. So for recording by yourself, it can be really simple. Some people do use whatever recording service they would use for their guests, and they, you know that can be fine if that's what you're comfortable with. But Audacity and GarageBand, they're just like little apps that live on your desktop. They can be quite easy to just open up, record something, and then get on with your day. So experiment and find out what works best for you. Now, let's talk about recording with others. So you can record using Zoom if that's what you and your guests are the most comfortable with, but there is going to be some audio quality loss when you're using Zoom. It was designed for video calls and not for pristine, beautiful audio capture, and it just doesn't get the whole spectrum of sound. It's not what it's made to do. If you are going to use Zoom, and lots and lots of people do use Zoom, make sure that you get each speaker's audio recorded on a separate track. That's going to give you or your production team a lot more will room in editing. And it's a setting that you can make kind of within the Zoom interface. There is an option that you can click on that says record a separate track for each speaker. You definitely want to make sure that is done. So the benefit to Zoom, especially at this point, is that pretty much everyone is familiar with it. There's not going to be a lot of learning that you or your guests have to do to be able to jump on, record the audio, and then have it saved. Everyone basically knows how it works, and that's a really good thing. But there are podcast-specific platforms out there that have been designed to really make it easy to connect with guests, record the best possible quality audio from different places or different people in different environments talking together. So some of those are Squadcast, Zencaster, and Riverside. We use Riverside for guest interviews, and I really like it. But they are all designed, and they all work basically the same way, to capture really good quality podcast audio. And some of them are even now getting more into video if you want to do a video cast. And there are services available as well if you want to be streaming and doing kind of live work as you're creating it. Restream, I think, is one of those, which can be a little bit fun. Really, it's just a matter of figuring out what you like the best, what works best in your workflow. A lot of them can be integrated via things like Zapier or to other project management systems uh, to try and just ease that workflow, which you know we'll talk about more in coming weeks when we get more into automations and that kind of good stuff. But it is always best to use software that was designed for audio if you can manage it and if it's going to be possible within, within your framework. So here's a couple things you should not do. And those are record into your phone or Google Meet or GoToMeeting or Microsoft Teams. Unless you have absolutely no other options, those are not going to sound great and you should not use them to record your podcast audio. So those are kind of the basics of selecting a good mic and then recording it using the proper software. And doing this is a really solid foundation for the audio that you're going to be putting out. It's probably going to sound pretty good, but there's one more thing we have to talk about first, and it is something that's really hard to overcome if it is not optimized. Because you can follow every piece of advice about an awesome mic and how to use it and get a great premium podcast recording software and still sound like you're recording from your bathtub. I'm sorry. But the recording environment matters too. So we're going to talk about that next. So good recording means two things. It means good behavior while you're recording and recording in a good room. So your behavior is all about how you set yourself up to create good audio and as much as possible, how you advise and encourage your guests to do so as well. Here's a little bit of pre-recording hygiene or a pre-recording checklist that you'll want to do before you press play anytime you record. 
This is something that we send to people when they're getting ready to record for the first time, and some people send something similar to their guests as well. So here it is. Make sure your chair does not squeak. Turn off any fans, heating, or air conditioning units that you can control. Ensure that your pets, children, and spouses are quiet and ideally in different rooms on other sides of the house or office. Make sure that your clothes, jewelry, and hair do not rustle or bump the mic. Do not type while you're recording. Do not rustle papers while recording. When the delivery person inevitably rings your doorbell during a recording, pause and then pick up where you left off. Close your windows and your blinds. We'll talk about more why soon. Try to avoid milk-based drinks the morning before recording. They make your voice a little gooey and mucusy, not so nice. Do drink lemon water. Lemon is great for clearing out your throat. Do always confirm that your recording platform has the right mic selected. Do always double check that your recording platform has the right mic selected. And always test your sound to make sure. We'll be right back in just a moment. And now back to the show. So if you're the host, you want to do this for yourself and as much as possible, do it for your guests. It's absolutely acceptable to provide advice in advance about how to record, especially if they're not regular or frequent podcast guests and don't have their own show. They won't necessarily know any of these best practices. And you can give feedback when you're on the call. You can ask someone, hey, could you say that again without typing? Or your earrings are hitting against your headset and I can pick that up. Could you stop that? You're the boss of your podcast and you get to have a say in the quality of your guest audio to a certain extent because you're not really going to be able to fix their room if they aren't in a great one for recording. And sometimes you just have to deal with that. That's how it goes. But you can probably alter and optimize your own. So let's talk about how to do that. And the first thing we want to really talk about is sound waves. So picture a pool table and the way the ball bounces around it and hits the various angles and corners and then comes back and turns in other directions. That ball represents sound, and the table is the room you're recording in. To get great audio, your goal is to keep that ball from bouncing as much as possible. If you place pillows in strategic locations on a pool table, the ball is going to stop bouncing, and it's the same with sound. When sound waves are going into your room and they hit something like a blank wall or a window or even a computer screen, they bounce back and causes weird reverb and echoes that are going to be really hard to take out in post. But if instead those sound waves hit nice, soft, fluffy surfaces like audio panels or bass traps or curtains or rugs, they're not going to bounce and your voice is going to sound more clear. This is the basic for acoustic treatment. So some culprits that cause bad audio really frequently are hard flooring, untreated, which means uncovered glass windows, large empty walls, naked corners, and noisy neighbors. That's not an acoustic treatment, but it is a factor of a recording room choice. So of course, if you look around most modern offices and many tastefully decorated homes, you're probably going to see a lot of hard flooring, glass windows, large minimalist walls, and naked corners. And whether or not you have noisy neighbors is luck of the draw. So let's talk about how to optimize your room as much as possible and choose the best one that you're going to have available to you for recording your podcast audio. So the higher quality acoustics you can start with, the better you're going to be in the long run. You won't just cut down on the work it takes to get ready to record, but you're also going to save money on the supplies you need to do it and the amount of post-production that's going to have to be done for every episode. If you have the option of choosing your recording space, look for an isolated area away from people, machines, and ambient noise. You want to eliminate any noise sources as early as possible in the process because you really have no control over them, uh, like printers, plumbing, birds, traffic, constructions, hallway hijinks. If there's something you can hear while you're recording, your microphone probably will too. And your microphone doesn't necessarily know what is your voice and what is your neighbor's child, you know, shouting with joy or setting off firecrackers. 
your mic just hears and captures sound. This is kind of why I mentioned earlier, you're recording on Zoom. You want each speaker to be on a separate track because then you can edit the tracks differently. And if you happen to be sneezing while your guest is talking, that can be really easily removed. But if you're recording all on one track and there's only one audio file being generated, that sneeze is going to be a permanent part of it embedded with the sound. All of the sounds together, the mic picks it up and turns into one sound wave. So that's something you want to be mindful of as you're recording. So rooms have permanent or semi-permanent elements like your flooring and your windows. And a big problem area for recording is flooring. If you have carpet, you're golden. But if you don't, you're going to have to deal with your voice kind of bouncing around off the hard floors in your room. So if you're allowed or able to put a rug on the floor to cover most of the hardwood or tile, that can work really, really well. Carpet, of course, is great, but in a pinch, you can also just grab a blanket and spread it out while you're recording. Likewise, if the windows in your room or office are really large, you'll want blinds or curtains to keep the sound from bouncing off of them. And it can feel a little grim sometimes to be darkening the room and going into the cave basically to record, but it's going to sound a lot better even if you can't see outside while you're doing it. So a very large room with a very high ceiling is also going to be a challenge because the more space that there is in the room, the more you're going to have to cover and treat and the easier it is for those echo sounds to form from your voice. So if you have access to a small carpeted room to use, try to record there. But sometimes we have to work with what we've got. If your business has an acoustically treated conference room or similar, or you can record at home in a carpeted bedroom with the curtains drawn, that's amazing. But if not, do the best with what you have. And if it isn't very good, maybe think about renting studio space for your recordings. There are podcast studios in most major cities and many smaller ones. The thing with the room that you're recording in is there is a hard limit to the amount of improvement that can be done. The sound is what the sound is. And there's only so much editing that can happen in post to make it sound a certain way. So you want to capture, as I've mentioned before, audio that is as good as possible. So you can do a little spot test of your room to test it and see how it might sound in recording before you ever record your first bit. Just walk around the room you want to record in clapping your hands really loudly. I'm not going to do that here because that'll make editing a nightmare. But if you hear a lot of echo or a harsh rigging kind of as the result of your clapping, then your vocals probably aren't going to sound very good if you record in there. But if you hear a gentler, more pleasant reverb, that's great. Your voice is not going to be as loud as your loud clapping. And so you're going to be able to capture a nice natural sound that's going to come through really, really nicely in the audio. So let's talk about another way to improve the room you know you'll be regularly recording in if you're able to modify it a little bit. And now I'll also provide some less permanent alternatives to these. So most rooms are square, and which means one of the big problem areas you need to address are corners. So corners, of course, are where your walls converge, and those are really good places for sound waves to get stuck and bounce around a lot and cause a lot of trouble in your recording. And the solution to corners are called bass traps. So they're large foam wedges that fit neatly into 90-degree room corners. Without getting too technical, bass traps just do what the name implies. They absorb those low bass frequencies in addition to the mid and the high frequencies of your voice. These can be glued to the walls using spray-on glue, or you can use 3M picture hanging strips is what I'm using in my, my own recording space. In the show notes, I'll include a picture of what the corner closest to my recording area looks like. So you can kind of get a sense of where I put those traps in the other panels, which I'm about to talk about. So after you've addressed your corners with some base traps or a nice alternative that you can use is uh, you can throw a blanket over a ladder or a jacket over a broom and lean it against the corner. It's basically going to serve the same function. So you can invest as much in the aesthetics of it as you like or go for the quick and dirty, whatever's going to work for you. Now, let's talk about the big empty walls that many rooms and offices have. And this, for our purposes, 
big, beautiful art counts the same as a big blank wall, although there's going to be less you can do about uh, beautiful art that you want to keep in your space. So acoustic panels are foam panels that often have those little triangles on them, and they're just going to absorb sound rather than bouncing it back towards you. The bigger a wall, the more panels you want to have on it. And also the closer you are to these walls, the more you're going to want to kind of give full coverage to the area so that your mic is going to be protected from your voice reverb as much as possible. Finally, if it's not going to be easy for you to put anything on the walls, maybe you do have a beautiful piece of artwork that you don't want to cover up permanently. What you can think about getting is a muslin backdrop that photographers and videographers might use. So muslin is often used for green screen footage. And when you have multiple layers of it, it works as a pretty good sound absorption device as long as it's not directly against a wall. And this can be a fantastic addition for interviews, especially if you're videoing and you want to have a backdrop, that can be a really good investment. But you can just use it as sound, get a couple of layers of muslin in a backdrop and put it a foot or two in front of your biggest widest, emptiest wall, it's going to make a really big difference in the quality of your sound. Now, everything that I've described, the acoustic foam panels, the bass traps that you can add, the backdrops that you can have, you can mimic all of this with stuff that you have around your house. I like to call it uh, channeling your inner teenager. Draw those curtains and make it really dark. Throw your clothes and blankets everywhere as if you haven't tidied your room in three weeks. And then just drape you know, clothes and cloths and decorative items Anything that is fluffy around your space is going to be a big improvement. There are a surprising number of people who record podcasts in their literal closets because clothes are fantastic sound absorbers. What you really just want to do is, to the extent possible, based on where you're recording and how you need to present yourself to the world or your office mates, make the best recording area possible and then don't worry about it too much after that. We all live in reality and sometimes we have to decide what I've done now is good enough. So to quickly recap all of this, what you want to do to make sure you're getting audio that is as good as possible is try to get a standing mic of some kind. And when you record, use headphones to make sure that the sound isn't going to be picked up by your mic as you're hearing it. Record into software that was designed to pick up audio. For guests, that might mean something like Squadcast or Riverside. And for solo, it might mean something like Audacity or GarageBand. Make sure that you're following good recording hygiene when you are getting your episodes down or having your conversations with guests. Turn off things that make noise. Make sure that you are not causing too much noise yourself and hope that the outside world cooperates with you. For your recording room, if it's possible to record somewhere small and cozy and carpeted, that's fantastic. Go for that. If not, and you are able to treat your space a little bit, try to get some acoustic panels on the wall, some bass traps in the corners, and make sure that blinds and curtains are drawn, and you've got a rug on the floor. If you can't make those kind of alterations with sort of the professional audio stuff, no worries. You can just use your curtains, use throw blankets, use clothing, use tablecloths, throw it up and take it down as needed for your recording if that is going to be possible. When all is said and done, you want to be getting the best possible quality audio. It can take a little work and a little time to get that optimized. But once it is optimized, you're going to be in a really good space to record for as long as you're using that space. So I think it is worth a little bit of investment in time. But you can also say at a certain point, hey, this is good enough. This sounds fine. My guests sound fine. Our audience is fine with it. And let that lie and really focus on your content and using your podcast as you need it to. So let's talk about a couple of questions because there are some nuances here that are really fun to get into, are really important to get into. So how should I record live in a room with another human? Unless you're doing it in the studio or you have an in-house expert who can set you up with lav mics and proper studio recording equipment, try to avoid doing this. For large-scale professional podcasts, live recording can be fantastic. 
because they're going to have all of that equipment and all of those experts to make it sound really good and capture everyone's voice individually as well as possible. But for the vast majority of business shows, it's not going to be worth the effort and expense to do it well. And doing it poorly sounds pretty lousy. So the difficulty with recording live in a room with other people is that without proper protections, it's really easy for your mic to pick up their voice and vice versa. And then there's going to be multiple voices bouncing around the room, causing echo and reverb, and it could be an editing nightmare with a pretty limited best case result. It's often much better to have each speaker in their own room at their own desk recording separately so they can control their own audio and environment as much as possible. And then your editor and post-production team have the most kind of wiggle room to make changes and improvements. If you really want to have a live face-to-face conversation with someone, book an hour in a proper podcast studio, and each guest must have their own mic for recording. Hopefully the studio can provide that for you. What if the guest I want to speak to can only phone in? Fine. I say that with hesitation, but fine. Sometimes it happens. When you really want to speak to a specific person or that person has information you really want to share with your audience and the only way they can contact you is via a phone, then sure, record the phone call and use that audio. It's not ideal. It's not going to sound great. Most phones do not capture a huge amount of the spectrum of sound that you really want that gives voices that natural rich quality. But if it's your best option, the show must go on. You do hear this sometimes on radio shows, like call-ins, it does happen. So there's kind of an expectation that if someone is calling in on a phone, like at the audience level, there's an expectation, it's not going to sound as good. And you can hear it on some pretty big name radio shows and podcasts too. So while it's not ideal, if it is something that you can do if you need to. Do use a specific phone voice recorder. Most mobile phones have one. So Google your make and model and how to record phone calls. You'll probably find some instructions or an app that you can download to make it happen. So your action step for this week is to take a good, hard listen to your raw audio. How is it? Is it clear and natural sounding? If not, it's time to do a little troubleshooting to see what you can improve. First, what mic are you using? If it's not a standalone one, consider upgrading. Second, are you using headphones while you record? If not, start now. Start immediately. What are you recording into? What are you using to record your audio on your computer? Is it made for audio capture like Audacity or Riverside or Squadcast? Maybe it's time to switch to a professional podcast recording service or audio recording software if you're not already. Four, is your room treated for audio? Clap your hands and listen to the sound. Is it metallic or harsh or echoey? If it is, then you can treat your room with either sound panels and bass traps or with curtains, rugs, and throw blankets. Then finally, make your improvements, record again, and see if you can hear a difference and if you can hear that it sounds a little bit better. And keep going until you're happy with the sound. So this has been another episode of the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. I'm your host, Megan Doherty, and I want to thank you for joining me this week. This show is produced by the whole team at One Stone Creative, and we would love to hear from you. You can send your questions or just a note to say hi to hello at onestonecreative.net. That's hello at O-N-E stonecreative.net. Hope to hear from you soon.